Hello and welcome to this all-new episode of Poetry Spoken Here. I am producer and technical director Jack Rossiter-Munley. Before we get into the episode, a quick note that Poetry Spoken Here is produced by Cardboard Box Productions Incorporated, a digital media company making podcasts about poetry, literature, and cultural history. You can find out more about Cardboard Box Productions and all the shows it produces at cardboardboxproductionsinc.com. You can also subscribe to the Cardboard Box Productions newsletter Unboxed, which has literary reflections on current events, updates about all the different Cardboard Box podcasts, and recommendations for further reading, watching, and listening. Today on Poetry Spoken Here, we are featuring Mark Doty's reading from the Unamuno Author Festival, which took place in May of 2019 in Madrid, Spain. This reading was recorded at Desperate Literature on the first night of the festival. Doty has won the National Book Award for his 2008 collection, Fire to Fire, New and Collected Poems, and he was also the first American poet to win the T.S. Eliot Prize. In addition to his poems, Doty has written several glowingly reviewed and much awarded memoirs, including Heaven's Coast and Firebird, and the New York Times bestseller, Dog Years. This reading, which was recorded almost one year to the day before the killing of George Floyd, ends with a poem that Doty wrote reflecting on the death of Tamir Rice, a 12-year-old black boy shot and killed by the police while playing with a toy gun. You will hear the rawness of the emotion behind that poem in his reading. He has said, poetry's work is to make people real to us through the agency of the voice. So please welcome Mark Doty, made real to us here in Desperate Literature. Um, It is a delight to be part of this festival, which feels like everybody here deserves congratulations for making something this fun, that sparks joy, that feels like a real community event. Bless you for doing it. I'm going to... um, read three poems, and the first of them, are good on sound here? Okay, back there? Liz, can you hear me? All right, yay. Um, The first of these has a little bit backstory. A group in London called Poetry International asked a number of poets to write something in response to Lorca's Poet in New York, which sent me back to reading Poet in New York, and I discovered that uh, of all the work of that great, masterful poet, it is the one book I don't like. And the reason I don't like it is because it is um, so negative about the human. Lorca did not like the crowds of New York City, the the rough, uh, smelly, uh, can't-get-away-from-them crowds, because it was just too much for him. He wanted his isolation, his privacy, his dream life, and New York was not giving it to him. So I wrote a poem which attempted to praise New York in contrast to his, and the more I tried to praise New York the darker my poem became. (laughs) So, here it is. This is called To Garcia Lorca. A whole acre's containment and release, yellow exhalation, stiff stalk and copper blaze blaring onto 7th Avenue AM. Sunflowers. In a square, rusting tub casually set on the linoleum of the corner market on 17th Street, with a huge, brusque and tender Romanian barks your order back at you, then places change in your hand like a blessing. Against the wall, away from the counter, sulfurous heads fused into one radiating distillate of the infinitive to bloom. 
and almost entirely ignored. Since we understand, even in the eight o'clock scurry toward purpose, commerce, engagement, that the principal beauty of New York lies in human faces. But these foot soldiers of summer, flown from a Mexican field, boxed north from Alabama, neck to neck in an impossible crowd, there are double and mirror, a hundred fierce dawns up to their hard green waists in cool water, shocking in their sameness and startling again in the shag variations of their faces, dreaming nothing language knows, though they are dreaming, gazes both open and elsewhere at once, and in this way also resemble us, half asleep still, unworldly, carrying our sacks of coffee prepared as we have requested it, this town's flowering and respiration conducted through our 10,000 acres bud and scatter. This morning, on 16th Street, a dragonfly, intricate, upside down, probably lost, but entirely self-possessed, clung to a brownstone wall, immobile, a cistern's discolored bronze, fountain of refreshment, still point of the neighborhood, while taxis fret the air wild between the curbs, already honking and breaking the song of ongoing and indifference setting out. Same chorus as my tub of bloom, basket refilling itself to fuel the multitude who doesn't want them, since we are already flowers, already carry shoulder to shoulder that diffident power, stand even now, stalk to strip stalk in the killing tub, enough water to sustain a little while, flaring out at the pores, out through this dark-rimmed, gold-dusted seeing. Now, that poem seems to me an obstacle course for translators, um, <laughs> because it's syntactically so dense, but it has been done, and I think done beautifully, and Jorge is going to read it for us. A García Lorca. Todo un acre contenido y liberado, exaltación amarilla, tallo rígido y ardor cobrizo que retumba por las mañanas de la séptima avenida, girasoles, en un cubo cuadrado y oxidado puesto de pasada sobre el linoleo del mercado de la esquina en la calle 17, donde el rumano grande, brusco y cariñoso te ruge tu orden de vuelta, coloca luego el cambio en tu mano como una bendición. Contra la pared, lejos del mostrador, cabezas sulfúricas se funden en un destilado radiante del infinitivo florecer. Y casi ignorada por completo, ya nos damos cuenta, aún con la carrera de las ocho en punto, para el propósito, comercio, compromiso, que la belleza principal de Nueva York está en sus rostros humanos. Pero estos soldados rasos del verano, Llegados desde un campo de México, empaquetados en el norte de Alabama, cuello a cuello, en una muchedumbre absurda, son nuestro doble. Y espejo, cien amaneceres feroces, hasta sus fuertes cinturas verdes en agua fría impactan por su semejanza y sorprenden de nuevo por las variaciones afelpadas de sus caras soñando. Nada que conozca el lenguaje, aunque ellos están soñando, miradas abiertas y en otro sitio a la vez. Y así también se nos parecen medio dormidos, todavía ingenuos, con sacos de café encima preparados, tal y como los pedimos. El florecimiento y la respiración de esta ciudad se conducen y se esparcen a través de nuestro capullo de diez mil acres. Esta mañana en la 16, una libélula, intrincada, boca arriba, de seguro perdida, pero totalmente serena, se aferraba al muro de piedra de una casa, inmóvil, el bronce descolorido de una cisterna, fuente de reanimación, 
punto calmo del vecindario mientras los taxis roen el aire salvaje entre las acercas, sonando ya sus bocinas y rompiendo la canción de la disposición en curso e indiferente, el mismo coro de mi cubo florecido, cesta que se rellena a sí misma para avivar a la multitud que no las quiere, dado que ya somos flores, llevamos ya ese polvo diferente de hombro a hombro, de pie uniformes, ahora tallo a tallo, despojado en el cubo asesino, con suficiente agua para soportar un rato, explotando por los poros, hacia afuera, de este mirar de borde oscuro, de polvo dorado. Like, I think a great many Americans, I have been consumed of late, for a while now, by thinking about the ongoing disaster of racism in my country, the way that prejudice is structurally built into our nation in a way that cracks us, that separates us, that causes an ongoing damage of inestimable size. So um, I've been writing about that, and I want to read you two poems, one short one and one slightly longer. This is called Imperative. <clears throat> He's my age, the dark man leaning against the storefront window ledge, hair and beard dusted white, face impressed with a frazzled nest of lines. He doesn't attempt to please, nor seem in need, but practices all day a toneless, steady neutrality, repeating his monosyllabic plea, change. In this way, he resembles a prisoner who's learned to show almost no deference to his guards, nothing of abasement. He's a purely rippling tank of dark water, superbly contained. He submits to a precise degree he's had years to gauge. Change, he says, all day, fixed in his spot on seventh, the word a key he tries again, hoping this time the tumblers turn. Change, at night more driven, as if he meant to chip away at something. The word falling hard on the sidewalks, flint and shadow, ringing on the pavement like a dime. Many of you will know the name of Tamir Rice, the 12-year-old boy who was killed by the police in Cleveland, Ohio in 2015. He was playing with a plastic gun in a city park. Someone called 911. The officers came and responded to the situation. I, didn't, I needed to talk about the death of Tamir Rice, and I didn't know how until I began to think about the interruption in time that the death of a young person is. Everything that led into that life suddenly collapsing, and everything that might have issued from it also vanished at once in a kind of implosion. This is called In Two Seconds. The boy's face climbed back down the 12-year tunnel of its becoming, a charcoal sunflower swallowing itself. Who has eyes to see or ears to hear? If you could see what happens fastest, unmaking the human irreplaceable, a star falling into complete gravitational darkness from all points of itself, all this, the held loved body into which entered milk and music, honeying the cells of him, who sang to him, stroked the nap of the scalp, kissed the flesh knot after the cord completed its work of fueling into him the long history of those whose suffering was made more bearable by the as yet unknown of him, playing alone in some unthinkable future city, a Cleveland, whatever that might be. Two seconds to elapse. The arc of joy in the conception bed, the labor of hands repeated until the hands no longer required attention, so that as the woman folded, her hopes for him sank into the fabric of his shirts and underpants. Down they go. One second. This is impossible. Sorry. Okay. 
So there's the woman folded. Her hopes for him sank into the fabric of his shirts and underpants. Down they go, swirling down into the maw of a greater dark. Treasure box, comic books, pocket knife, bell from the lost cat's collar. Why even begin to enumerate them when behind every tributary poured into him comes rushing backward all he hasn't been yet. Everything that boy could have thought or made, sung or theorized, built on the quavering but continuous structure that had preceded him, sank into an absence in the shape of a boy playing with a plastic gun in a city park in Ohio in the middle of the afternoon. When I say two seconds, When I say two seconds, I will find this. I don't mean the time it took him to die. I mean the lapse between the instant the cruiser braked to a halt on the grass, between that moment and the one in which the officer fired his weapon. The two seconds taken to assess the situation. And though I believe it is the work of art to try on at least the moment and skin of another, for this hour, I respectfully decline. I refuse it. May that officer be visited every night of his life by an incomprehensible bloom and the voice that howls out of it. If this is no poem, then. But that voice, erased boy, beloved of time, who did nothing to no one and became nothing because of it, I know that voice is one of the things we call poetry. It isn't to his killer he's speaking. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Munley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.